Okay, so today we're beginning Bezat Hashem, new Masechet, Masechet Megillah. This Masechet is very dear to me personally because it was the first Masechet I ever made a siyum on when I was, uh, when I was a teenager in high school. I was, uh, I guess, 15 or 16. First uh, Masechet that I completed as a kid. So uh, before the era of all of the tools that are available to everyone to, uh, to learn Gemara, because this was back, you know, a few decades ago, a little bit of a different world. But because of that, it always had a special place for me in my heart. Uh, and so I'm excited to start. The new Masechet, Masechet Megillah, begins. Megillah nikret, biyud alef, biyud bet, biyud gimel, biyud dalet, betedvav. Lo pachot velo yoter. Megillat Esther could be read on a variety of dates. Now the dates that we know from Megillat Esther itself are the 14th of Adar and the 15th of Adar. And as the Mishnah will explain and the Gemara will also explain, um, the, in d- more detail, uh, these dates, uh, the 14th of Adar is the date for those who live in unwalled cities, and the 15th of Adar is for those who will live in walled cities, and, uh, and so on. As the Gemara will go into more d- detail about it. But where did the Yud Aleph, Yud Bet, Yud Gimel come from? The 11th, the 12th, and the 13th of Adar do not seem to have any basis in the Megillah as days that we should be celebrating Purim. So the Gemara will explain where that comes from. But first, it's going to explain to us the basic breakdown. That it can never be Pachot and it can never be Yoter, which means it can never be later or earlier than these dates. Now, how does it work? Any city that was walled from the times of Yoshua bin Nun reads on the 15th of Adar as opposed to the 14th. Farim vayerot dolot kurim Villages and cities that are unwalled, or they weren't walled in the times of Yoshua Binun, they read on the 14th of Adar. Like most of us do. Most of us in the world read on the 14th of Adar, as you know. Now, Ela But the Kfarim, the villages, have an advantage or a leniency that they can push or pull the reading earlier. They can pull it to what's called Yom Knisa. Yom Knisa is either the, the Monday or the Thursday prior to that day of Purim. So if Purim falls, it's always the 14th, if it, as the Mishnah is going to explain, if it falls on a day other than Monday and Thursday, so the villagers were allowed to uh, read the Megillah at the Monday and, or Thursday immediately before that. And the reason is because they would gather together in a lot of these villages that Rashi gives one uh, explanation that they only, they gathered in the cities on those days because the courts were open on Monday and Thursday, and so everybody would get together. Others say that they only had a minyan a lot of times because of Sefer Torah on Monday and Thursday, so they only really gathered on Monday and Thursday in order to make it easier for them. Uh, Monday and Thursday were the days of choice. The Gemara will get into more of why this is and what it is, but basically this leniency was offered to the uh, villagers that they could make the reading earlier. And the Mishnah is going to now work out all the permutations of the various ways that the reading of the Megillah can play out in a given year. So, Ketzat, Chaliot Yudalit Basheni. If the 14th of Avadar falls on a Monday, Kfarim Vayarot Gdolot Korin Bobayom. Villages and regular cities read on that day because the 14th and it's a Monday. So there's no reason to go earlier, you understand? In other words, the villages only go earlier when it's not a Monday or Thursday because they're going to read on either a Monday or a Thursday. But if Purim falls out on a Monday or Thursday, they don't need to read any earlier than that because it's already a Monday. So that should, you know, that's simple. Now, what happens 
Eh, so, so, and Mukafot Choma, and obviously the walled cities, cities that have a wall from the days of Yoshua Binun, the Machar, they read the next day. Now, Chaliot Bishlishio if it happens that Purim, meaning the 14th of Adar, the one that we celebrate, most of us celebrate, falls out on Tuesday or Wednesday. So, what happens if it falls out on Tuesday or Wednesday? So, that's not a Monday or Thursday. So, So what's going to happen is that the villages are going to read on the Tuesday or are going to read on the Monday. That comes before. In other words, everyone else is reading on a Tuesday or Wednesday. That's the 14th of Adar. And the people in the villages are going to read on that Monday. Now that will either be the 13th of Adar if Purim fell out on the on a Tuesday. So that means that the Monday before is the 13th of Adar. If Purim fell out on a Wednesday, that means that the Monday before is the 12th of Adar, right? And that's when the Kfarim will read. That's when the villages will read. Umukafot Choma. Lemachar, always those walled cities will read the next day. Now, Chaliyot B'chamishi, if it falls on the fifth, fifth day of the week, meaning on Thursday, so again, there's no reason for the villages to make their reading any earlier because it's already a Thursday. So there's no advantage for them to go back any further. So they're going to read on that day. And the walled cities will read on Friday the next day. Okay, so we haven't gone any further back yet than 12th of Adar because basically when the 14th of Adar falls on a Wednesday... So the villages are reading on the 12th of Adar on the Monday. That's the biggest gap that we've had so far. Now, what happens if, uh, if it falls, if it turns out that Chaliot, uh, that Purim falls out to be Erev Shabbat. It falls out on a Friday. So So what's going to happen? The villages are going to read on the Thursday, which again is only the 13th of Adar, not such a big deal. And what's going to happen is that both the cities and the walled cities are going to read on the same day on Friday, since the walled cities are not going to read on Shabbat, right? They're going to read on Friday together with everybody else. This is what's called, um, we have a, an idea of, uh, you know, once in a while what happens is that uh, Purim falls out, what's called Purim Mishulash, that you have a Purim that is, uh, that, that's broken up where the different elements of the holiday are observed at different times. So when we are celebrating Purim on the Friday, right, the years that we celebrate Purim on Friday um, are also the years that Pesach falls out on uh, Motzei Shabbat, which was the last year where we had that complicated year where, uh, where Pesach was uh, Motzei Shabbat. So you had the issue of getting rid of the chametz early. And also, Purim is on a Friday. We had that last year. Now, what ends up happening is that in the, in the regular situation, okay, it's a little bit of a pain because, and actually that's happening again this year, uh, that, the, uh, that Purim, I think, is, uh, uh, is going to fall out um, on, uh, on a Friday this year also, if I'm not mistaken. But in the situation where Purim falls out, where the 14th of Adar falls out on a Friday. So what happens is that the, the cities that would normally read on the 15th of Adar would be Shabbat. So they can't do that. So they're going to read on Friday instead. So that means in Yerushalayim and in Great Neck, they're going to read on the same day. It's not going to make a difference. Everyone's going to read on the, on the 14th. However, what happens to the 15th? So this is called Purim Mishulash. If you live in Yerushalayim, you're going to read Al Nisim and the Torah reading for Purim on Shabbat. But you're not going to have Megillah reading on Shabbat. And you're not going to have Sudat Purim on Shabbat. And then when do they do the Sudat Purim and the Megillah reading? They're going to do that. I'm sorry, and the, uh, and the Matanot and the uh, Mishloch Manot. They're going to do all of the Mishloch Manot and the, and the meal on Sunday. So they end up having what's called Purim Mishulash, the three-part Purim that they're going to have 
a, uh, uh, they're going to have the reading on Friday. They're going to have Alanisim and, uh, and the, um, uh, and the uh, Torah reading on Shabbat, and they're going to have the meal, and the Mishloch Manot is going to fall out on Sunday. So that's going to be Purim Mishulash when that happens. I think this year it might be that it's not that, uh, it's, it might not be that, it might be that it's, uh, that Yerushalayim Purim falls out on Friday, and for the rest of us it's on Thursday. It might be that. I, I, I might be making a mistake. Because I was talking to somebody in Yerushalayim, and they said, oh, Purim is going to be on Friday this year. But they were in Yerushalayim, so they're, they have a different, uh, a different system. Um, in any case, this is what happens when the 14th of Adar falls on a Friday, which is what happened last year. And, um, and then what happens when it, hap- when it falls out on Shabbat? So nowadays, incidentally, that never happens. The calendar is fixed so that the 14th of Adar never falls out on Shabbat. However, if it did, right, Chaliot, if it fell out on Shabbat, so Kfarim Vayarot Gdolot Maktimin Vekohin Yom Knisa. So what you have in this case is nobody can read on the 14th of Adar that year because even the people who live in the ordinary cities, the ordinary unwalled cities, they can't read because it's Shabbat. So they're going to have to pull their reading back one day. And of course, the villagers anyway always only read on a Thursday or a Monday. So they're definitely going to go back to the Thursday. They're going to go back to the previous Thursday because that's the uh, next destination for their reading. What's going to happen to the people in the village, in, in the regular cities? There's two possibilities. One possibility is that they should just read on Friday, which is the day right before Shabbat, as close as possible to the actual date. But our Mishnah says, no, they should go, since we're already uprooting the day that they're reading, we might as well push them back to Thursday anyway. So that way, <coughs> the villagers and the people in the unwalled cities will read on the same day, which is Thursday. Makes the most, uh, you know, makes sense. Uh, it'd be economical that way. That's what our Mishnah says. We'll see the Gemara is going to discuss other opinions. But anyway, that's when it falls on Shabbat. Now, next, and then of course, by, and that doesn't affect the people in the cities, in the walled cities, right? Umukafot Choma, they still will read the next day. Umukafot Choma Because since their day was Sunday anyway, because the 14th of Adar was Shabbat, that doesn't affect the people who read on the 15th of Adar anyway. Right? So it's not going to affect them. Now, Chaliot, Shabbat, what happens if the 14th of Adar falls on a Sunday? Okay, so now the villagers go all the way back to Thursday. Now, what date on the calendar is that? If Sunday is the 14th, Shabbat is the 13th, Friday is the 12th, that's the 11th, right? Thursday is going to be the 11th. That is the furthest back the reading of the Megillah would ever be for the villagers is the 11th. So when the Mishnah said it could be no earlier than the 11th, that's why it could be no earlier than the 11th. That's the furthest gap you're ever going to get. Right? And of course, the city, unwalled city people read on that day. It's a Sunday, no problem. And the people who live in the walled cities are going to read on the following day because it's also no problem. Now, this is the, uh, this is the layout. Now, Yom Knisa is, uh, as I mentioned, is uh, understood as the Thursday or the Monday before because it was the day that they gathered in order to, um, in order to uh, uh, read the Torah that day or the day that they gathered in order to um, uh, have judgment and have the uh, Bedin on that day. That's why it comes out to be Monday or Thursday. Now, the Gilion the, Shas the, on the side, Rabbi Akiva Eger brings... The, he says, look at the Midrash Tanchuma in Parashat Bereshit, Perush Chadash 
He says there's a new interpretation of this whole idea of Yom HaKnisa. And so finally, after all these years of looking at this Amud, I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to look at what he references, because a lot of times he has really interesting references, and they're not on the page, you have to look it up. So I decided to look it up. And very interesting, what it has in the Midrash Tan is it describes Yom HaKnisa, a totally different concept. It says, what's the reason why the Megillah can be read on those days of 11th, 12th, and 13th? Because those are days that Yom HaKnisa, that the day of gathering can happen on. Meaning the day of Tanit Esther can happen on them. Because since, let's say for instance, if Purim falls out on Sunday, we don't fast on Shabbat. Obviously for Tanit Esther, that would be the 13th of Adar. We don't fast on Friday, because that would be the 12th of Adar. But since we're moving the fast anyway, we don't make it on a Friday, right? So when do we make it? We make it on Thursday. We make it on a, um, we make it on the, uh, on the, on the three days prior to Purim in that case. We, we have the fast on Thursday, even though Purim is not until Saturday night. <laughs> so, we, so the Mishnah or the, the uh, Midrash there says that this is what makes it called Yom Knisa. The reason why these days had a special significance is because they are the days that Tanit Esther could fall on. Very interesting interpretation. But anyway, the Gemara says, Megillah Nikreid Biud Aleph Minalan. How do we know that the Megillah can be read on the 11th of Adar? It says Minalan. What do you mean from where? We're going to say further on that, uh, uh, that, that we said that the rabbis made a leniency for the people who live in the villages that they could read early. Right, not for their own convenience, according to this, but so they can be available to provide the needs of the meals to the people who live in the big cities. Now we can look at that charitably and say, well, their business was probably providing all kinds of things from the rural area, fruits, vegetables, grains, whatever, to the people in the main cities. Since the main cities were going to be, if they had their celebration of Purim and their reading of Purim on the same day as the main, as the main cities, they wouldn't be able to be available as easily to provide the needs of their biggest customers. So therefore, the rabbis made it lenient and said they could read early. That's the way we interpret it. So it says, what do you mean, Minalan? It's not, it doesn't have a source in a pasuk. The rabbis made this institution to help the people in the villages fulfill their economic uh, responsibilities, so to speak. Okay, that's, that's the way to understand it. It's not, Rashi says, Lav chovahu. It's not an obligation. The rabbis made a leniency. Okay, now the Gemara says, okay, so what do we really mean then? Right? So, and this is what we mean. Let's take a look. We must assume that the Anshek Neset the body of rabbis that made, that formulated most of our liturgy, most of the mitzvot, they must have established all of these days, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th of Adar. Why? Because What are you going to tell me? You're going to tell me that the Anshek Neset that made the original mitzvot of Purim, they said it's only the 14th and the 15th of Adar. And then later Chachamim came along and they messed around and they added on 13th, 12th, 11th. How could that be? V'atnan, we learned in the Mishnah, we learned that a Bedin is not allowed to, neg- to negate or to cancel something instituted by another Bedin unless it is greater in Chuchmah and Minyan, in uh, wisdom and in numbers. <coughs> now there's a discussion about what numbers means because every Bedin has the same number. 
So some people will say it means the age of the people on the Betin. Some people say it means the number of Talmidim, of students that the people on the Betin had. Whatever the case may be, the point is, nobody after the Anshei Knesset HaGdola would have been on the level that they could go and nullify an institution of the, of the Anshei Knesset HaGdola. So that means that it must be then that the Anshei Knesset HaGdola were responsible from the beginning for creating these five possible days where the Megillah could be read. It can't be that later rabbis changed the Takana. Okay? That, so, So if that's true, that this institution of reading the Megillah earlier than the 14th and 15th of Adar goes all the way back to the Anshei Knesset Agdola, so then the question becomes, where is that hinted? Then we would assume that the Chachamim, the Anshei Knesset Agdola, who also were the ones who ratified and accepted Megillah Tester as a book of Tanakh, must have embedded, encoded, hinted somehow to the existence of these extra days in the Megillah. It doesn't say anything in the Megillah about reading it on the 11th and the 12th and the 13th. So where do they, where do they show us this? Because it can't be something that was a later, it sounds like it was a later thing that they decided to make a leniency, but that's not possible. That would be changing the rules of the Anshek Nesad HaGdola. So it must be that it's in there somewhere. So where is it? So the Gemara says, It says, you, to fulfill the days of Purim Bizmanahim, this is towards the end of the Megillah, okay? In their times, Zmanim Arbe Tiknulahim, which means they made many times. Zmanahim, their times, sounds like a lot of different times, right? So meaning that there's a lot of different options. Hi, mi But how do you, but isn't that necessary just for knowing that there are two days? Because there's a, there's a 14th and a 15th, right? That's, that's more than one day. How do you know it means more than 14th and 15th? It could have just said Bzman <coughs> to fulfill, to uphold the days of Purim and the time. My Zman Nehem, Zmanim Tuva. Zman Nehem, with the extra Yud and the extra A in there, means, and the extra Mem even, means extra days. But we need the Pasuk of Zmanihem to tell you. Which means that the people who celebrate Purim on the 14th of Adar do not celebrate it on the 15th. And the people who celebrate it on the 15th do not celebrate it on the 14th. There are some Karaim who take the Tanakh literally and they don't believe in Torah al Peh and they read the Megillah as saying that you have to celebrate both days. Purim is a two-day holiday. Because it doesn't make it so clear. Some people celebrate only one day. Some people celebrate only the other day. We need Bismanehem to know that these are distinct times. Okay? Now, Imken, Lemakrazmanam. But we still have an option for showing that the two days are uh, mutually exclusive. We don't need the fancy word Zmanehem. It's too long. Just use Zmanam. That would be enough. So, my Zmanehem, Shamat, Mina, Kulu. So from that, from the long words manehem, we say all of these things. That somebody who celebrates on the 14th doesn't celebrate on the 15th. Somebody who celebrates on the 15th doesn't need to celebrate on the 14th. And that there are three extra days hidden that you can also read the Megillah. But according to that, how do you know there's a limit? How do you know it's only three? Maybe it's a hundred days. Maybe it's a whole month of Adar. How do you know? So that's why it says, Zmanehem dumyad the Zmanehem is the same as Zmanam, meaning whatever we're adding in the word Zmanehem 
is not going to be more than the base that we started with. Since we started with a base of two days of the 14th and the 15th of Adar, so when the Drashat tells us to add more days that you can read the Megillah on, it's not going to be more than two days. Okay? Just like the base that we started with were two days, 14th and 15th, so the expansion is also two days. But there's only one problem with that. The expansion in our Mishnah is three days, not two days. Right? So that Gemara says, How do you know it's not only the third? Maybe that means only 13th and 12th. Because that's only two. How are you going to fit 11th? That's the third one. So, Just like we're going to see later on in the Gemara, this concept. The 13th of Adar has a special status. It doesn't require inclusion. It's understood in and of itself as being part of Purim. Either, like Rashi says, because that was the day that the actual war took place. So it's connected to the story of Purim no matter what. Or because of how some say, because it was the day of Tanit Esther. And since it was the day of Tanit Esther, um, <coughs> since it was the day of Tanit Esther, it's already connected to Purim because of that. Right? So either way, Zman Kilalakol means that it already has a significance. We don't need a drasha. So Hachanami, Yud Gimel, Zman Kilalakol, Yivrotzarich, Lerabuye. So we see that you don't need a special drasha for the 13th. So we have a drasha that tells us we had two days. Those two days are 11th and 12th. We don't need to be told 13th because it's obvious. And we know 14th and 15th from the Psukim. So that gives us our extra three days. So that the Gemara says, how do you know it's not the 16th and the 17th? Why do you have to go backwards? How do you know that you should go backwards and have earlier days that you can read the Megillah? Maybe you should have makeup days afterwards. How do you know you do before? Because it says, It says in the Pasuk, you shall not pass these days without celebrating them. So that means that you must do whatever you're going to do before the 14th and the 15th. It's never going to be post 14th and 15th. It's always going to be before or on 14th and 15th. And that's where we get it from. That's the first interpretation where we get it from. Okay, now... It says in the Megillah, like the days that the Jews rested from their enemies. That's how Purim should be. Like the days that they rested from their enemies. What days did they rest from their enemies? The people who lived outside of Shushan rested from their enemies on the 14th and celebrated. People who lived in Shushan rested on the 15th and celebrated. So two days. Kayamim. Like those days. Meaning, Yamim Kayamim. Lerabot Yud Aleph V'Yud Bet. It says it should be like those days. Meaning we have another two days that you can read the Megillah. Like the days that are the main days of Purim. You have another two. And again, we ask the question, How do you know it's not the 12th and the 13th? How do you know to include 11? Again, the 13th doesn't require a special drasha. Everybody seems to agree on that point. The 13th because it was a special day, either because it plays a role in the story of Purim, because of the fight that took place, or because of Tanit Esther, one way or another. It's connected to Purim. It doesn't require a drasha. So if we have a proof for two extra days, those two extra days are 11th and 12th. Same question. How do you know it's not the 16th and the 17th? Because we can't go past the days of Purim. It has to be before. So so, do we, so far we have two drashot. The drashav zman nehem. 
Zmanayim means there are many days. There's double the amount of days that it seems, right? And then you have Kayamim, another interpretation, a drasha that leads us to adding days that are allowed to have the Megillah read. Now, now we say, uh, the Gemara asks, Rabbi Shimon bar Nachmani, Right? Why didn't Rabbi Shmuel bar Nachmani, why did he go for this idea of Kayamim asher nachu bayem ayyudim, a different pasuk? What's, what does he gain out of that pasuk? Why doesn't he just go to the Zmanayim pasuk? It's a good pasuk. It says, no, Zman, Zmanam, Zmanayim, lo mashmale. He doesn't buy it. He doesn't think it's such a convincing drasha. He doesn't have to explain any further than that. Why didn't Rav Shemin Bar Abba, instead of keeping the Drashav Zmanihim, <coughs> take the Drashav Kayamim? Like the days of Purim, you should celebrate. Meaning, there's two extra days. Why didn't he take that? Because, he'll tell you, That doesn't mean that there's two more days of Purim now. It means that our two days of Purim are like the days they celebrated back then. Not that there are two more days now that are like the two days we're celebrating because you can also read the Megillah on them. It's not what it means. It's talking about how our two days that we celebrate now are like the days they celebrated thousands of years ago. Okay? So he doesn't like that drasha. They come out with the same result but they don't like each other's drasha. Fine. Now, the Gemara says, These are the words of Rabbi Akiva, the anonymous one, the one who doesn't reveal his name. However, the Darish, Zman, Zmanam, Zmanayim, who has this Rashav Zmanayim, Aval, Chachamim Omrim, and Korinot Al Bizmanah. According to the Chachamim, there's no such thing as moving it up to the Yom Knisa. There's no such thing as the villagers having a special break that they can read early. No such thing, according to the Chachamim. That's only according to Rabbi Akiva. The Gemara says, Really? Medibe, raise an objection. Rabbi Yehuda said, when does it happen that we move the reading of the Megillah for the villagers up to an earlier day? Only when the Jewish people were living in their land and the Shanim were kitiknan and the calendar was fixed and was established properly. In other words, where the Bet Din was establishing the calendar each year and was letting everybody know when the dates of the various holidays would fall out. Then we did this kind of thing. But now that we don't have that anymore, now that it's fixed, we don't do that anymore. Now Rashi explains. Why? So what do we do? In other words, nowadays, since we don't have a Bedin that goes and tells everybody when the holidays are going to be, what did people do? They counted 30 days from Purim. <coughs> now, if Purim for a villager is celebrated on the 11th of Adar, he's going to count 30 days from that and start celebrating Pesach on the 11th of Nisan. And another guy is going to have it on the 14th of, of Adar, he's going to have the 14th of, uh, of Nisan. In other words, according to Ashi, what it means, everybody looks at Purim, means everybody counts from the day of Kriyat Megillah to determine when Pesach is going to be. And therefore, it's a dangerous thing to have the earlier Purim for the villagers. That's what Rabbi Yudah was saying. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation is that the difference is that when the Jewish people were living on their land, and this is what the Reef says, I believe, if, when, the, when, the, uh, when the Jewish people were living on their land and they were independent and uh, they had control over their lives, so 
um, so they would, uh, they didn't have to fear the non-Jews. But now, instead of mistaklin ba, they had umistaknin ba. Now it's dangerous. Why? Because if the non-Jews see the Jews celebrating how they defeated and killed all the anti-Semites in the story of Purim, you know, that's what we're talking about in Megillah. It's one thing for everyone to do it on one day and then they forget about it. But to have it on the 11th and then you have it on the 14th again and then you have it on the 15th, it's too much. It's going to attract too much attention from uh, Ilhan Omar and other friends of ours that uh, are looking to uh, destroy us and, uh, and, and Rashida Tlaib or whoever. And so we don't want to, we don't want to get their, uh, you know, get them to notice us. So we don't want to have make too, too many days of reading the Megillah. Okay, so that's the, that's another interpretation of why it would be different. So one is that it has to do with the calendar. That it, that, and one is that it has to do with anti-Semitism. Okay, but either way, nowadays, we don't move the reading of the Megillah. Now, but what do you see from here? Rabbi Yudai is saying um, a position that doesn't match anybody's position. Why? Because uh, that Rabbi Yudai liba deman. If you're saying that Rabbi Yehuda is agreeing with, agreeing with Rabbi Akiva, then even Rabbi, according to Rabbi Akiva, even nowadays, the villagers are supposed to read early. Not just in the time that the Jewish people uh, had the Bet Din functioning and lived in Eretz Israel, right? Rather, you must say that Rabbi Yehuda is saying that according to the rabbis, there's a qualification that we only have the villagers reading early when the Jewish government and, you know, commonwealth is functioning normally, right? Meaning that even the rabbis agree that there's a concept of the villagers reading early. They just restrict it to the time when the Jewish people's commonwealth and independence is intact. And therefore we see this is a, a, a decisive refutation of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan is not right to suggest that the Chachamim thought that there was no concept of the villagers reading early. The only qualification was that according to the Chachamim, the villagers only read early during a time where the Jewish people have a monarchy or they have independent government. But nowadays they don't. According to Rabbi Akiva, even nowadays they would. That's the Machloket. But nobody says that the idea of the, the 11th, 12th, and 13th of Adar having, being reading days for the villagers is not true. Everybody agrees it is true. Okay? Now there's another version. Which is, that this Mishnah is according to Rabbi Akiva, according to Rabbi Akiva, who's being anonymous, right? But the Chachamim say, in other words, according to this, Rabbi Yochanan said what, what Rabbi Yehuda said before, right? Meaning that, um, that, uh, that we agree with the concept of the villagers reading early, but only when the Jewish people are independent in their land, not at any other time. Okay? We learned in a Yehuda. Now we bring our Rabbi Yehuda not as a contradiction, but as a support for this idea. That's what we saw before. So according to this version, <coughs> the statement of Rabbi Yehuda is supporting the statement of the Chachamim. Everybody agrees that there's an 11th, 12th, and 13th reading possibility for the villagers. The machloket is whether it applies for all time or only when the Jewish people are living independently in their land. Okay? But everybody agrees that the concept exists. Now, Ravashi, Kashale, Rabbi Yudad, Rabbi Ravashi had a problem with a contradiction between Rabbi Yudan in two places. The Umokimla, the Brita, we turned to Amud Bet, he established the Brita, that the Brita was speaking about 
uh, was actually Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda, and not the regular Rabbi Yehuda. Because there's, because there's two re- people that could be called Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda, or the regular Rabbi Yehuda. Now, did Rabbi Yehuda really say that nowadays, since we don't have an independent, since we rely on the date of Purim to determine the date of Pesach, because we don't have an independent Betin functioning, we have to always have Kriyata Megillah on the same day? Did he really say that? In other words, according to this Baita, Rabbi Yehuda said, the only distinction I make is not Bazman Hazeh versus the time where the Betin was functioning. No, but a village where they gather on Monday and Thursday or they don't gather on Monday and Thursday. Because if they don't anyway gather on Monday and Thursday, so what benefit do they get from moving the reading up to Monday or Thursday? It doesn't give them any advantage. Why would we do that? Right? So therefore, but... Uh, but in a place where they do gather on Monday and Thursday, even nowadays. So So what Ravashi said was that the earlier Braita that distinguished between Zmanazeh and the olden days, that was Rabbi Yosib Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda actually agrees with Rabbi Akiva essentially that even nowadays we could have villages reading on the 11th and 12th and 13th as long as they are villages where the people normally get together on the 11th and 12th and 13th and therefore it makes sense for them to have that earlier reading. Okay? How could Ravashi be so brazen? Just because he finds a contradiction between two statements of Rabbi Yehuda, he decides to change the name on one of them to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda? How can you do that? Ravashi, because there's another uh, possible, uh, obvious, obviously possible terutz, uh, uh, which is you could say that these are not really contradictory. They're complementary. In other words, Rabbi Yehuda said two conditions. Condition number one is that we're living in a time where there's an autonomous Jewish bedin. And number two, where the village gathers together on Monday and Thursday. It doesn't have to be a contradiction. So he read it as a contradiction. Why? He heard two versions. He heard one version of the Brayta that was attributed to Rabbi Yehuda. And one version of the Brayta was attributed to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda. So he said to himself, Since the simple pshat of the meaning of Rabbi Yehuda is that it's contradicting, right? That one of them is assuming... That in all places and times, theoretically, we could have an earlier reading for the villages as long as those villages have the practice of gathering on Monday and Thursday. And the other one is saying, no, in a, in a place, uh, only Basman is that we don't do it at all. It's really a contradiction. So, therefore, he came to the conclusion that the one that's, that attributed it to Rabbi Yosef or Rabbi Yehuda was more accurate. The one that attributed it to Rabbi Yehuda was less accurate. So he chose the version that attributed it to Rabbi Yosef or Rabbi Yehuda rather than have a contradiction, even a light one, between Rabbi Yehuda and himself. Okay? So that's the bottom line. Now the Gemara goes on. Uh, we say, um, any place, we know that the cities that were walled from the times of Yoshua Binun, they read on the 15th of, of Adar. How does it work? Where do we get it from? It should say Rav, I think. Because it says in the Pasuk, Therefore, the Jews who live in the outskirts, in the unwalled places, read on the 14th. It's only logic. Because since Purim mentions, the Megillah Purim mentions the 14th and the 15th. And it specifically says that the people in the unwalled places read on the 14th. 
So that means that the people on the world city is reading the 15th. So, how do you know that that means that the people in the world cities read on the 15th? Maybe it means they don't have to read at all. Maybe they're so high class living in those fancy gated communities, they don't have to read at all. How do you know? So it says, no. First of all, are they not Jewish? What, they're, they're going to have some Jews that have to read Megillah, some that don't. Even it says in the Megillah specifically that all Jews, wherever they are, have to read. Right? How do you know? But still, how do you know the people in the walled cities read only on the 15th? Maybe they have to do double. Right? Maybe on the 14th of Adar, that's when the outskirts people read. And on the fourth, and the people living in the walled cities, they have to read on the 14th and the 15th. Okay? They, they have to do extra. No, because it says they have to celebrate Purim on the 14th and the 15th every year. Now, if it said celebrating the 14th and the 15th, then it would make sense what you're saying, that maybe the people in the world cities have to do both. But it says it twice, the extra et tells you that they're two separate things. The one that the Megillah says celebrates on the 14th, which is the people on the outskirts. They do the 14th only. And the people on the walled cities do the 15th only. Why can't we do this? Say, <coughs> the people on the outskirts, they can only celebrate on the 14th. But the people in the walled cities, maybe they have a choice. One or the other. They could choose to do the 14th. <coughs> they could choose to do the 15th. That's where the drasha comes of bismanehim. <coughs> In their time. This time is not the same as that time. Meaning the time of the outskirts people is not the same as the, the time of the city people. Right? Why don't we say it's on the 13th? In other words, how do you know... That we're, that we're saying that it's, uh, when it talks about the 15th, after all, it's talking about Shushan. It's not talking about people who live in any old walled city. So maybe it's only, maybe it should be the 13th. No, kiss Shushan. It should be just like Shushan. The walled cities are modeled after Shushan. So they're going to read on the, four, on the 15th, not on the 13th. All of those psukim you brought are talking about La'asot. To do Purim. And to do Purim means to eat the meal, to drink, to celebrate. How do you know that the reading of the Megillah has to be on those days? Because these days have to be remembered and done. Remembrance and doing are linked together. Zechirah means reading the Megillah, remembering the story. So therefore, since we see that they have to have two days, the outskirt people, it specifically says the 14th, Right? Then it says the 14th and the 15th. We know that each one's day has to be different. So that means that the people in the walled city cannot be on the same day. They got, they're not going to be both days. And they're not going to be on the same day as the outskirts people. So they're not going to be on the 14th at all. How come it's not the 13th? Because the 13th is not one of the choices, right? The 15th is going to be the day. It's going to be modeled after Shushan. Okay, that's the basic discussion of the Gemara. Now the Gemara goes on and says that... Uh, there's another Tana, the Tanya. Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha According to Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha, 
Instead of say, our Mishnah follows the opinion that any place that was walled from the times of Yoshua bin Nun is considered a walled city. But there's an opinion that says, no, whatever was walled in the days of Achashverosh, and what's the reasoning of Rabbi Yoshua ben Kocha? It's actually very logical. It's like Shushan. Of course, it makes perfect sense. Shushan is our model. Shushan was walled in the days of Achashverosh. So too, any city like Shushan should be done that day. What about our Tana? Where does he get the idea that we go by the times of Yoshua ben Nun? Yaliv prazi prazi. He has a gzera shava because it says in the Megillah, Ketiv kahacha al kena yodim aperazim. It says the Jews who live on the outskirts. And then it says, Uchtiv atam levad me'avari aperazim arbe me'od. That's talking about an Eretz Yisrael when Moshe Rabbeinu was um, conducting the wars prior to his death that they conquered all these aperazim. aperazim. They conquered a lot of outskirt cities. Okay, it's talking about in the time, Malalan Mukefet Choma Mimot Yoshua Binun, Afghan Mukefet Choma Mimot Yoshua Binun. It shouldn't say Mukefet Choma because it's actually not talking about walled, it's talking about unwalled, right? But the point is that the era was the era of Moshe and Yoshua Binun. That was the time when the Pasuk is talking about Prazim, outskirt cities in the Torah. And so we link the Megillah's mention of outskirt cities. To the Torah's mention of outskirts is that we go by the times of Yoshua Binun, not by the times of Achashvosh. Now, Now we understand why Rabbi Yoshua Ben Kochad doesn't want to accept our Tana. He doesn't have that Gzera Shava of the word Prazi in, uh, he doesn't want to connect the word in the Megillah to the word in the, in the Torah. He doesn't want to do that. But why doesn't our Tana forget about his Gzera Shava and just go like Rabbi Yoshua Ben Kochad says? Right? My Tama, what do you mean, what's the reason? He has a Gzera Shava already. What, is, what do you mean? He should just ignore his Gzera Shava and not follow it? Of course he's going to follow it. That's what we mean. The problem with our Tana is, is the problem of Shushan. Because according to Yoshua ben Kochad, there's two categories. Cities that were walled in the days of Achashverosh, of which includes Shushan, and cities that were not. But according to our Tana, you have three categories. <clears throat> you have cities walled in the days of Yoshua Binun, cities not walled in the days of Yoshua Binun, and then Shushan, which wasn't walled in the days of Yoshua Binun, but is reading like the people that were walled in the days of Yoshua Binun. It's a third category. Where should Shushan fit? Right? Loke Prazim, Beloke Mukafi. The Shushan is not going to make any sense then. Amar Rava, Kedi. Rava said, and some say it was Kedi, it was uh, a. Um, an uh, anonymous source, Shanei Shushan, Ho'il banes. Shushan was different because the miracle occurred there. In other words, the rule was established by Yoshua ben Nun's time. And Shushan will be the exception to the rule. Okay, the, since the miracle happened there and they celebrate on the 15th, that's where they're going to celebrate for all time on the 15th. But every other place is going to be measured by the times of Yoshua ben Nun. <clears throat> now the Rambam says something very interesting. Basically, what's the more logical position? The more logical position would be Rabbi Yoshua ben Kocha, that we should make the standard based on the actual story of Purim, not based on Yoshua. Right? But what the Rambam says is because Eretz Yisrael was destroyed at the time of the miracle of Purim, if you made, uh, the, if you made this, like Rabbi Yoshua ben Kocha, you made the standard for what's a walled city based upon the times of Achashverosh, none of the cities of Israel would ever read 
on the 15th of Adar, and it would be like they're inferior to Shushan. They would be inferior to the city of Shushan. So therefore, they wanted to make a zecher Eretz Yisrael They wanted to put something honoring Eretz Yisrael in the mitzvah. So they made it for it. They made the definition of walled city and unwalled city based upon the glory days when the Jewish people entered the land of Israel instead of a time of the exile. Okay, and then what happens? Shushan, instead of being the rule, it becomes the exception. So it becomes secondary. Instead of being the primary source, it becomes secondary, the exception to the rule. And that puts it in its place, so to speak, instead of elevating it and lowering Yerushalayim and our other cities here. Now, it says that poem should be observed in every state, in every city. Now we understand that uh, uh, there are two things. Medina Medina Irvair. So Medina Medina is to distinguish between cities that were walled in the times of Yoshua Binun and ones that were walled in the days of Achashverosh. Because ones that were walled in the days of Yoshua Binun read on the fifteenth, and ones that were walled only in the days of Achashverosh read on the fourteenth. Right? Irvair and Amin Khalik Ben Shushan Shahayot. And then Irvair is to tell you that there is one city that's an exception to the rule, which is Shushan. Which even though it should really follow the rule, according to the rule, it should be reading on the 14th, it's going to read on the 15th because the miracle happened there. So Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha, for all of the smoothness of his formulation, that there are only two categories. There are cities walled in the times of Achashverosh, including Shushan, and there are all other cities, right? That's easy for him. He has two categories. But he has an extra word, Irvair, that doesn't have anything to do with it in the Pasuk. Even according to the other Tanat, it doesn't work, Rabbi Yosho ben Korcha, I will tell you why. Because you already told me, tan, other Tana, that where did you learn the idea that we're following the Yoshua ben Nun time? You learned it from a Gzerah Shava. A Pasuk in the Megillah connects to a Pasuk in the Chumash. Okay, you don't need the word Medina or Medina to tell you to differentiate between cities that were walled in the days of Yoshua Binun and cities that were not. You have Xerah Shabbat to do that. So for you, it's even worse. You have four words that you don't have anything to do with. I only have two. Right, so it says, ah, right, that's, that was the question. So it says, rather that pasuk of Medina or Medina or something else. It comes to teach you a teaching of Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi. Any city, one of these walled cities, and any place around it, meaning if it's in the outskirts of the city, or is seen, can be seen from that city, it's considered like one of those cities. How far could the distance be, and it could still be considered an outskirt of the city, from Chamatan to Deveria, which is meal, one meal. Why doesn't it just say So if, if the distance is a meal, why don't you just say the distance meal? Oh, because we wanted to tell you, by the way, that if you want to know how much a meal is, it's the amount of space between the border of this city and the border of that city. If you ever want to have a standard for meal, that's why we mentioned it. But really a meal is a measurement. That's the amount. Now the Gemara later is going to discuss... What about, you know, the, the distance, meaning even if it, they're seen, when you look, you see them together, if there's this distance, it breaks the connection between them. What does it mean to be samuch, to be near eh? 
Um, so the Gemara later will talk about if one of them is higher, one of them is lower. So it might be close, but you actually can't see from one to the other because of the elevation or something like that. The Gemara will talk about it um, in, in not too long from now. But essentially, this is the Machloket. Do we base the distinction of the uh, cities on the time of the miracle of Purim, which would mean based on the times of Achashverosh, or do we base it on the times of Yehoshua bin Nun in order to give kavod to Eretz Yisrael? Or some say also, the, the Yushalmi says, in order, because since, uh, since the first person to fight Amalek was Yehoshua bin Nun, so, and, and the story of Purim is the completion of the battle against Amalek, who represented by Haman, so it makes sense to have also a, a hint to, to uh, Yehoshua bin Nun in the, uh, in the story of Purim, in the mitzvot of Purim, I should say. So, Bezvat Hashem, we will continue from here uh, tomorrow, same time, same place, Bezvat Hashem, I hope. Um, I have the